Hey family, we just want to start off this episode by talking to you a little bit first about what you're going to hear. Um, we enjoyed our time with uh, Season and Chris, and the interview was just so, I don't know. It was pretty amazing. Gripping. Was, yeah. Some at some points, yeah. It was some really, really great information. Um, just can't wait for you guys to hear it. They have a really, really incredible story and their strength is amazing. Just amazing. So great. Can't wait for y'all to hear it. And the reason we're coming to you before the episode, um, we, we haven't done this in previous episodes, but we had such a great conversation. We did not realize that this interview yeah. is actually well over an hour long. Yeah. And so what we've chosen to do is split it up into two parts. And so what you're going to hear coming up after we uh after you hear our voices is going to be part 1 of this uh incredible conversation with Chris and Season and then uh on the next episode you will hear the conclusion of the interview. Yeah, can't wait. Tune in. All right. So with uh Without any further ado, here we go. Chris and Season Part 1. Enjoy. You're listening to Trade Secrets with Oliver and Denise. If you work for Microsoft, you can't share operational secrets with someone from Apple. Yeah, that's true. But in relationships, though, it's a little different. We should share the good, the bad, all of those types of things that help our relationships to grow. Yeah, you're right about that. And I feel like the information shared in these conversations will do just that. So let's dive into today's episode. Jump right in. Doing good today? Doing great. All right. We, um, uh, I know people are probably getting tired of hearing me repeat this over and over again of how great the guests are that we have, uh, but um, they're great. So they are great. This, this, is, this is no different. Who do we have today? Today we have Chris and Season Cromwell. Ah, Season Cromwell. Chris and Season, thank you so much. <laughs> Excited to talk to you guys. Thank you so much for lending your time. And uh, being willing to to share with our audience today, it is um it's a pleasure. It's our pleasure to have you. Yeah, right? absolutely. So let's jump right into the conversation. Who is who are who is Kristen Season? Tell us a little bit about Our people in love. <laughs> yay, yay. Um, we've yay for married, love. Yay for love. We've been married for just over five years. Our anniversary is in July. Um, and funny thing, I'm the one who has to have the date on the inside of my band because um, I'm the one who doesn't remember very well. <laughs> we'll probably talk about what might have caused that. So. Okay, okay, we'll get into that. <laughs> okay, so five years, man. So you guys are fairly newly relatively newlyweds. Fairly newlyweds. Yeah. We've, we've been through quite a bit so far already. And wow. so we yeah. were together for four years before getting married. So, okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And where, where was this that you worked together? If you can say, well, well we were together, but we did do we, some volunteer work together yeah. when we first met. We met oh, I thought you said you worked together. No, no, no. We oh, were together before. Gotcha. 
Yeah. Oh, so okay, so there's some extra time involved. Yes, I was uh, on in Washington State, and I um, in in my 20s and early 30s, I was not living a sober life. Uh, lots of drugs, uh, meth, and alcohol, and um, so I'd gotten sober and started to go back to church. And I just really have to credit my sobriety to the Lord. Um, mm-hmm. And so I've been sober for about a year and a half. And my husband came over to do some volunteer work in Washington State for Project Patch. And um, he was coming, he thought, just to hang out with his brother. Yeah, and my brother had done it with uh, his wife and my mom the year before. Mm-hmm. And how much fun he had and how enjoyable it was. And um, so I said, sure, I'll go with you guys. And I had worked um, the night before. He was very tired. And just pretty much got on the plane, flew there, and was pretty tired. And was at my mom's house. And all of a sudden, the door bell rings and I go to answer it and there's season and another girl and I said can I help you and they're like we're here to go on the trip with you guys so I had no idea <laughs> like, she was who are these coming. people <laughs> so, you guys it was hilarious he <laughs> ends up falling asleep in the camper that his mom's driving down to Goldendale and so we're just going to do labor wow. you know, insulation big ditches etc uh, he ends up falling asleep and I came out of the restroom and I walked past him and I said Kim he smells really good. <laughs> oh, that's great. You're going to have to bring that man to me because I am not chasing him. <laughs> hey, I, I hear that. So, so let's let's keep this going because I'm curious now. What what are the the it, the things that transpired between then and you all getting married? What's what's the love story behind that? Well, um, we, we were at Project Patch for was it about six? Six or seven days, yeah. But a week. So we are engrossed in this nonstop, you can call it a continuous date because we were <laughs> with each other the whole time. Yeah, we're eating fine. together, we're working together, we're hanging out together, um, and um, just experiencing a lot of cool things with the other people in the crew. So this is how he sees it. I'm thinking I am sweating. I am covered in dirt. I had no makeup. I did not expect there to be a man on this trip. <laughs> right, right. And, and one that I might be attracted to. <laughs> he likes me for like this. It only gets better. So praise God. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. So he commented multiple times that he liked the fact that I was willing to get dirty mm-hmm. and I had some pretty good Arnold Schwarzenegger movie references. So, <laughs> you know. Okay. Very cool. Fun. So um, the, the week ended and we were going back to Spokane and I said, hey, I'm going to go to Montana to visit my dad who lives four hours away. I said, why don't you come with me? And she wow. did. <laughs> now, I already knew his mom and his brother. Yes. So. I had known them for a while. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> so she, we went and met dad and, uh, and then a couple of days later it was, okay, what do we do? I'm going back to Maryland. Um, and so we, we had to get on long distance, uh, for a little bit. And then you were given an offer, right? So we had to decide, you know, listen, I'm not saying we're going to get married, but if we're going to consider moving forward, if marriage is something we're both pursuing in life, one of us is going to have to move eventually. And so I was a little bit, it was easier for me. So I, mm-hmm. I said I would move and then I was going to come over after six months. <clears throat> I got an offer through our church that I was working with to become their Bible worker. And I just really felt like the Lord said, you know what, choose me, choose me and I'll take care of the rest. And so I asked Chris um, what he thought. It was a one year commitment. And he said yes to go ahead and do that. And that he would 
Uh, we would try to work it out cross country, and uh, we did. And after that year, of course, um, the Lord had blessed, and um, I moved over here. So um, when I got here, the only thing I really knew outside of working for the church was serving tables. And so I just started serving tables right away. And the Lord uh, blessed that and uh, moved me into a really good serving position at a restaurant locally. And then I started working for a WGTS and was on air for the radio station. Yeah, Christian radio. Yes, which is, you know, a miracle in and of itself, which is all Jesus. I mean, everything he just he cleared the pathway um, to bring me to where we are today. And Chris was going to propose on a specific weekend. He had everything made um, by the jeweler, had it all set up, and something happened. There was a family emergency. And we so he couldn't he couldn't propose over the weekend. Yeah. He thought we were going to go camping. Mm-hmm. And so we were about to leave for Haiti and he hadn't had a chance to propose yet. So he's like, let's go out to dinner. Mm-hmm. I won't tell you what a jerk I was that day. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> so it was the weekend of the, it was the week of the bicentennial celebration in the inner Harbor in Baltimore. And I wasn't raised here. So it was just beautiful. Uh, it wasn't a common sight for me is my, is my point. Mm-hmm. The, the ships were all lit up and oh, nice. sat down on one knee. And before I even said yes, I bolted off the bench and started jumping up and down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's, that's cool. Very cool. Very cool. We, that's you know, sweet. we love a good love story, right? <laughs> when uh, We love love. That's right. That's really sweet. Say, that's cool. So, so that's uh, how you guys met and, and got to where you are. Now let's, um, I want to backtrack a little bit. I'm going to do something a little different than what we would normally do. Okay. Normally coming down to the end of the conversation, I would, I'm, I would ask you guys to give what I call a trade secret. So something, uh, a specific tip to the husbands and a specific tip to the wives. Now for you all, I, this may happen more than once throughout this conversation, if mm-hmm. you don't mind. Right. So I want to start in the story that you just told, because you, part of that love story involved you all being long distance. Yeah. And typically we're kind of told to shy away from that. Yeah, right? Long distance doesn't work. They say that's right. what they say. Long distance doesn't work, but obviously you are a testament to the fact that it did. It does work. Yeah. So if you had to give some advice to somebody who's listening now, who might be in a long distance relationship or feel like they've met, quote unquote, the one, but they're afraid to embark on what might be a long distance relationship. Say something to the husbands and something, or to, well, it would be dating now. So say something to the, the boyfriend, if you will, and something to the, to the girlfriend that can help them get through that time. Um, I would say if it's meant to be, Jesus has to lead it. Mm-hmm. Has to. Yeah. Uh, and you really have to think about I mean, it depends if you're where you are in your in your life. If you're still in your 20s, you you may not be ready for the one yet. Okay. Um, we got married much later than mm-hmm. we thought we would. Do you mean like they might they might not be looking for marriage? Yeah, you might be in a long distance relationship where you grow, but it's not for the one, and you mm-hmm. need to understand that that could be you're still filtering out who right. you are the person you're looking for. So Jesus may not be bringing you that person yet. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Good point. Good point. But uh, it is tough in a long distance relationship. And that's what I said this season. When I finally kind of got to my breaking point, I said, you know, when we're together, it's 
everything's great and fine. And we're, it's, it's not normal because we haven't seen each other. So we're not in that daily grind, that routine. Right. And when I leave, it's I'm going back to do what I do and you're going back to what you do. And it'll be six, eight, ten weeks before we see each other again. Right. So I would definitely say that our relationship took a significant change once she moved here and we were seeing each other every day. Okay, yeah. So you need to prepare yourself for that as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Speak to that but before you talk to the before you talk to the ladies. So speak to that change for a minute because that's actually a very good point. That's a yeah, that's a very crucial point because you kind of get to see some things. I would imagine that you didn't see before. So yeah. there's kind of an adjustment period. When season came here, she made it very clear. She said she wanted to have her own place and she wanted to be established. And so I helped look for that but it wasn't like she just moved in with me and you know we took that step really tried to be wise Mm -hmm. realizing that because there was so much more to learn and we realized it was a lot of honeymoon scenarios all in a row Mm -hmm. um that the day-to-day was going to change things and that we needed to take some time now i was ready a little bit earlier than he was to move forward um, he is a steadfast man and is sure about the things that he commits himself to, which I appreciate. Um, so I was a little bit ready before he was, but it was crucial to have that time and to allow wisdom to dictate that we take that time right. because there was a lot of change. You know, we were seeing each other, learning each other's habits, right? You know, am I a night owl? Is he a night owl? What are the things that What's our ugly side? Because I mean, you right. guys, what, right? What's what's the dirt? Um, because yeah. we all got it. So it's like, show me your ugly, because I got to see if we can hack this. You know, right. absolutely. <laughs> and also, it starts to to change your availability and your free time because when you're long distance, as soon as you come home, it's I can do whatever I want. There's no right. one else. And once she was here, then it was like, okay, I need to start incorporating a lot more of my time with her. Um, <laughs> I can't just continue yes. doing all these solo activities or friends, you know, yeah. friends work or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, and at our age, we're very used to doing things our own yes, way. Yes, very independent. Right. Um, so that's also something that you have to adapt to. Which, I, I mean, I was 37 when we got married. So, I mean, mid-30s when we were really starting to consider things. So a little bit set in our ways. And, yeah. and, and I would say another big thing is I um, had purchased the house that I was living in and I had it set up the way I wanted it. So okay. when season did come here and was a part of the house, it was a, it was hard, you know, adjusting to, Oh, you want to change this and you want to change that. And it's yeah. still something yeah. I struggle, um, because, yeah. you know, this was the house that I picked out and the one right. that, that I set up. And when I got this place, I hardly had anything. Um, he, so, he did a good job. He had it um, well set. It just needed some different things because there's two people inside yeah, it now. And it was a guy's house, you know, I mean, it right, wasn't right. anything, but it wasn't feminine at all. You know, there weren't mm-hmm. nice things that, that women bring to the house. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not crazy. Like, I don't go full floral print on him. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, right? <laughs> That's all by your grandmother's house. So I mean, that's important, though, because that's that's a part of uh, bringing two people together that we don't yeah. often talk about. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially for people who are about to get married. 
they are going through hopefully the premarital counseling phase. And sometimes those are issues that don't get touched on, right? right? That you're going to have to make some adjustments. In this case, you had bought a house, right? Mm-hmm. And it was a, and it was an entire man cave. Instead of one room, it was the whole house yeah. was a man cave, right? Yeah, so you yeah, got to yeah. make some adjustments to bring a woman's touch in and some little things. And so and you don't want those that are important to really kind of be cognizant of that, right? Yeah. What were you going to say, Chris? I was just gonna say I didn't want to lose my identity. You know, I didn't right. want to feel like season just came in and took over. Yeah, uh, and I think a lot of uh, gentlemen have seen that in their wives. Yeah, that's true. That's true, and they're not prepared for it, and as a result, it causes some issues. Yeah, a lot of times those are just things that we don't think of, mm-hmm. and we just take for granted that we're going to be able to quote unquote have things our way and not. What's the word I'm looking for? Compromise or serve your spouse, right? It's just like, this is how it is. This is how it's always been. How could there possibly be another way? You know, we don't think of those things. Little simple things we don't think of. And they're important. I'm looking forward to the time when the Lord allows us to move into a home together. I think that that will um, be beneficial um, to our relationship. For some of the stress that it's caused over this particular topic, but... um, But for now, the Lord's knitting us together through that difficulty. Wow. That's so, awesome. For the for the ladies, I would say that so often as women, we're uh, told or there's this unspoken thing that we, we don't straight up tell a guy we're looking for marriage or we're supposed to be ashamed of that or hide it somehow that we're not as serious as we are or mm-hmm. don't do that to yourself. If you want to get married and the person you're sitting across from isn't looking for marriage, that's okay on both parts. But be right. honest about it really quick. Be honest about your intentions. Yeah, absolutely. When we were at Goldendale, we actually sat down and kind of Had laid it chat. all out. We were yeah. like, this is where I'm coming from. This is what I'm looking for. Yeah, if you don't um, want to get married and have we kids, even, we even talked about waiting to have sex until we were married. I mean, we, we just said, this is what we're, we're willing to try and do. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't waste a whole lot of time pretending. And we realized that he might not be the one and I might not be the one and that that was all right. We weren't declaring we were going to get married. We were declaring that each of us individually was seeking marriage. And so that's what I'd say to the ladies. Don't be afraid to be honest um, because, you know, it serves him. It honors him and it honors yourself. um, It honors you. And then have those conversations early on if you're going to do long distance. Mm, okay. um, because then you're not wasting each other's time right it's harder the further in you get yeah. uh, you start to get more connected right. and and it's not heading somewhere you know if they change their mind they'll remember you if they're supposed to they'll come back to you mm, Do you know right. who, who knows what the lord is capable of doing but i think that he would desire honesty Yes, I agree with that. Absolutely. That's something you're going to take all the way through the rest of your relationship and your marriage, right? That's mm-hmm. something that, that's a building block, if you will, that you're going to, you know, you're going to build your relationship on that. Honestly. You get people upset three months later and the other person is like, I told you. I mean, yeah. this isn't a surprise. <laughs> like, I told you I wasn't looking for this, you know? Very true. That's so true. You see yeah. that all the time. And it's yeah. like, during that time, you, you you think about it and you see it in the back of your mind, but you're like, I'm not even going to pay attention to that. This will probably work out. Yeah. yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. Yep. You mentioned something during your love story that we want to kind of go back yeah, to. Yeah, I just wanted to touch on season how did your prior addiction, if at all, how did it affect your relationship once the two of you got married? Um, 
Well, let's see. So I would say under the surface every day, mm. uh, some sort of a um, system that's functioning between the Lord and I mm-hmm. is the bright. So there's always that energy being pulled mm. that direction. Um, and I praise God for that. And before uh, Christopher and I met and, uh, you know, obviously got married, the Lord did, I mean, uh, just masses of healing in my heart, uh, recognizing things, judgments, um, bitterness, roots of bitterness, um, all these things that had needed to be excavated and the Lord needed to bring new life. My counselor or prayer minister said, Susan, you don't need to be fixed. You're complete in Christ. You need a deeper revelation of his love for you. And that will bring about the change and the healing that you need. That's and so we walked through that. It, it, she was, uh, the Lord really was blessing her wisdom. <clears throat> wow. And so there was so much that the Lord had done, but I feel like he did as much as he could with just season. And he brought me this wonderful man and like iron sharpens iron. <laughs> Imagine two pieces of metal rubbing together. It doesn't feel good, right. but um, it taught me a lot more about the things I thought or felt. Now, whether they were true or not really wasn't the point. It was the judgments that I'd had. Right. Uh, so, the fears that I had, uh, some of the stuff that I was running from pertaining to men and some of the um, things that I'd gone through. I, I, I'm a, uh, a childhood sexual abuse survivor. Mm-hmm. So when you put somebody like that together with another human being of the opposite sex, some of that stuff comes up as well. Yeah. So Chris has had to be patient with me. Um, and he has been very kind and, and gentle to me. But I think that... Mm. The drug addiction itself, uh, it's just always under the surface. I, alcohol is the thing that I crave, uh, that, that I am. I feel my whole life will probably be in danger of if I'm not wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, the narcotics, the Lord's removed the taste. Right. Uh, and so our relationship pre-marriage, I had relapsed uh, twice. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think that left a mark on Chris because he was so deeply concerned for me. And then, of course... Um, concern for our future together. Right. Is she going to continue to do this? Which any wise person would ask those questions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I made myself, I got so, so drunk. I, I made myself ill. He almost took me to the hospital. Mm. Um, I got really comfortable at one point and mm. just drank one day and didn't stop. And it was really hard. Mm. And so that, I think, although he's, we've moved past it, some of that lingers. Yeah, some of that fear is there. And so those things will always, I think, kind of be under the surface. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Lord has redeemed me completely, but it's like it's always on its death knell, you know, mm. always trying to resurface, always trying to come. And well, so we have to be to be aware of that. I think yeah. one of the problems, too, is she, she was still serving at that point and she was around alcohol. Mm-hmm. She was serving it. She wow. was, you know, so... She no longer has that job and she's doing something completely different. So the temptation isn't quite there. Right. Uh, I always made sure I worked in the dining room, not in the bar area. I tried to be as wise as I could, but it was the only skill set that I had outside of um, working with the church and elderly dementia patients. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And and I didn't have the, the stuff to, to do that here. So, And after you're done, everybody sits around and drinks. Right. You know? right. Yeah. And it was the social aspect that I missed. And that's hard because you want to hang out, but you don't want to drink. And it's this balancing act of what do I do? Mm. Um, And with Chris's line of work, you know, uh, I don't think we've mentioned it yet. My husband is a police officer in the state of Maryland. 
-hmm. there was a very um, uh, clear perspective coming from him because he's been on site for DUI Mm -hmm. fatality. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Reference. Yeah. It was disturbing to him that I had driven that night and that I was hammered. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm embarrassed at times to talk about that, but I, I think that, I think that I, I have to be real about it and honest and, 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 and I don't know if there's anybody else out there struggling with something like that. Um, but you just pick yourself up and move on and you start all over. It's day one again. Yeah. yeah. That's it's, been wow. years. it's been years since I've drank and I praise the Lord for that. Um, but yeah, it's, I'd say that do I answer the question? Do you think um, how it's affected yeah. our marriage? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And and I want to I want to pull out a statement that you made um, and just ask you, Chris, you know, your perspective. Season, you said that because of what happened in the past, sometimes that there's that kind of I think you used the word fear mm-hmm. as it relates to uh, Chris and and possibility. Mm-hmm. Right. Of something mm-hmm. happening. Chris, talk about how. Because this is a, this is a real life situation that that yeah. people deal with. Yep. A lot more people deal with it than they're willing to admit. Yep. So talk about how you manage that that fear. Well, the the first time I was very upset. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to give her the benefit of the doubt, and then the second time it happened, there was a little more to it. Um, there was uh, a text message that said she was going to just hang out with some friends. Mm-hmm. I was working. I wasn't worried. You know, hey, that's fine. You want to hang out with your friends? Yeah. And then um, I come home at 830 in the morning and um, she's not doing so well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really hard to hear. <laughs> yeah. She, I essentially had to take care of her for like 12 hours. two days. And at that point, and I, I think it had been in at least a year in between the two times. Um, but I said to her, I said, this can't happen again. I said, if you really want us to work, I said, I, I can't go through this continuously. I can't live in a relationship where I'm constantly worrying that this could happen again and again. Mm-hmm. And, and I was upset, not only that she drank, but that she drove because mm-hmm. then she's putting herself and other people on the road at risk. Um, And so that was just double impact for me. So I made it really clear. I said, hey, I don't know if I can go through this again and stay in this relationship. Yeah. Uh, And uh, his honesty was so necessary. I, I, I tell I've told another police officer this and I tell family members this pertaining to addicts. If we don't come up against something hard, there is no reason to change. This is where I always telling people no is love. No is love. Saying yes to somebody like me and saying yes to somebody uh, who's struggling, participating in their addiction is not helping them. That is not love. That's that's enabling and codependent and making ourselves feel better so that we can still be in that person's life, maybe. Yeah. And and kind of almost maybe fear on on a different scale. Just you don't necessarily want to lose that relationship. So you're trying to figure out how to kind of keep it together and appease the other person. And it's hard to release people to the Father. It's hard to hand them over to the Lord and take our hands off. Of it them. is very hard. Yep. It is. Yep. That, that's very true. You want Man, to step I, in and you feel like you are supposed to fix 
the situation or the person, or you feel like you can, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's not our job to do that. Mm-hmm. I love the statement that you made though, season. You said, if we don't come up with something hard or come up to something hard, there's no reason to change. Yeah. That's a powerful statement. Yeah. I, and I think what ultimately helped us was after we got married, um, trying to have a baby, she got to the point once she was pregnant where she wasn't supposed to be lifting things. And so um, that kind of transitioned her out of that the industry. industry. And I think deep down, <clears throat> you wanted to get away from that. I mean, you like. I was desperate there, to get but... away, but the Lord had not released me yet, which might sound strange to folks that really do not agree with um, God-fearing Christians working in the service industry. And that's to each their own. I, I'm not making a statement neither here nor there on that. But um, I truly felt that I was not released from that job until until I, um, in early pregnancy, um, I hemorrhaged, it's called a subchorionic hemorrhage, mm-hmm. and I was not allowed to lift over five or 10 pounds. And mm-hmm. the men wow. alone, I think, were five pounds a piece. So right. I was like, I can go, guys. So yeah, we talked about it and said, you know, how are we going to adjust our income if she stops working? Right. Uh, but we figured a way to make it work and, uh, and focus more on the baby. We had been through so much. I'm not sure if the community that participates in your podcast knows, but my husband and I um, have a fertility story we, that we've really uh, struggled to have children. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and it's definitely had an impact on our relationship. But um, after what we had been through and then hemorrhaging and the baby still being in there, who is now two and a half years old, oh, nice. we are not taking a risk. We got to go. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. You have to make, you have to make some changes. Yeah. Man, I, I appreciate that. I, you kind of led me in the direction that I wanted to go. Cause you know, we've talked, um, right. we're, we're doing this now for the podcast, but we, you know, you and Nisi have talked about that journey as it relates to fertility and, and the process. And um, just if you just, just kind of touch on that a little bit and sure. what that was like and the adjustments the two of you had to make and that kind of thing, because we, we run across people right mm-hmm. all the time who you would never know that they're going through something. Yeah. Right. For whatever reason, you know, uh, we're kind of afraid kind of to let that stuff out. We, you don't know who to trust that kind of information with and that kind of thing. So for people who are listening, this is a good way to kind of understand first that you're not alone mm-hmm. and that there are individuals who are going through things and have made it through those things. Right. 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 And two, you get some, you know, you get some some wisdom mm-hmm. as to how, you know, possibly you can get through it as well. Yeah. So talk about that a little bit. Well, after we got married, um, because we were older. <laughs> because we're, we're old, we, folks. <laughs> we, we I can that, relate. <laughs> we, we knew that we weren't going to waste a lot of time before we tried. But season made it a point. She said, hey, you know, right after we get married, let's not focus on having a child yet. Let's really try to adjust to married life, which I thought was good. Mm-hmm. But the clock was ticking. But the clock was ticking. <laughs> Very loudly. <laughs> yeah, we waited about six months. And and then we were kind of like, okay, let's give it a try. And we tried naturally for about six months. Yeah, six months. And Insurance it, uh, requires us to try naturally. Yeah. At our age for six months, anybody younger, under 35, I think, is a, a year. before okay. They'll okay. okay, I didn't know that. Okay. 
And so then season did a lot of the initial legwork and kind of was like, okay, we need to start doing this and this and this. And um, so we started down that road. And of course they put us through diagnostics, the end results. Some folks know that there's a reason why, and then they can take action against that specific thing or, you know, towards that specific thing. For us, we were labeled unexplained infertility. Yeah, because everything... We just had to go through the ropes. They ran the diagnostics. We did three IUIs, which is Uh everybody meets up in the pool inside, you know, Uh they did the... Um, and then since those did not, uh, and I'm blazing through it because there's devastation and heartache in those moments, mm. but for time's sake, uh, we moved right into, um, in vitro fertilization. Um, we did what they call a fresh cycle. And then we did a frozen cycle. The fresh cycle is pretty grueling because they are stimulating my ovaries, retrieving all of the mature follicles. Mm-hmm. Then everybody meets up outside of the pool in the Petri dish, and then they cryopreserve the ones that last five days, and they transfer two. Okay. It was two. And, okay. And that fresh cycle did not take. And we were really lucky because a lot of people go through this and only end up with a couple embryos. Or none. Or none. And they wow. said the average is about six to eight. We ended up with 16. And I was 39. They were like, wow, yeah. lady. So we were Your just like on fire. Wow. <laughs> and then to top so it all off. the hardship, the Lord was there. He yeah. was still blessing in the hardship. And mm-hmm. to top it off, most of our embryos were A-plus quality. So mm-hmm. we were even wow. to hear that. Um so it's so exciting. Yeah, so exciting. And of course, during this time, you've got a recovered drug addict mm-hmm. who is, uh, has been sober for, I think, maybe seven years by this time um, from the narcotics, a couple years from the, the liquor. And um, my coping skills are basically, uh, for this kind of situation, like, I, I none, y'all. I mean, none. Um, I didn't know how to deal with any of this. And looking back, if I could have changed any one single thing going through fertility treatment, it would be getting a counselor, okay. either couple or individual. Can I please just amen counseling? Yeah, absolutely. There's so much. And even if you're not struggling with fertility process the way I did, mm-hmm. you've got your regular life and then your back teeth are floating in hormones, ladies. Mm-hmm. And it's just, just have somebody, an advocate. Yeah, it's not you're doing bad. You need to go get help. It's you're on my side. Can we please talk? Yep. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so just counseling for fertility treatment. Uh So we moved forward, had a frozen embryo transfer. The Lord blessed us with our son, Gideon. That's when the hemorrhage took place early on. They did transfer two embryos. We believe that maybe one of they both took and then we lost one. Okay. That's a guess. Um, But Gideon was born. He's a miracle. Mm. Um, he did have a birth injury when he was born, which has been another layer of struggle and journey and Jesus not causing it, but never mm. waiting anything mm. is it to knit my husband and I together in ways that it would not have happened previously. Talk about that. Talk about not about the actual physical birth injury, but what the incident did for your relationship. I think we do need to talk a little bit about what happened because it was just so um, traumatic. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. You can talk about it. I didn't want to invade. No, no, no. you're. That's We've perfect. told the story a lot. <laughs> okay, we're happy to share. Just based upon, it, please let it help somebody. You know, right. like, born with a left brachial plexus injury, 
which may not be a familiar phrase. Uh, some hospitals will have you sign paperwork for what they call a shoulder dystocia, which is an, an injury that you are at risk for giving birth vaginally. Right. Um, and so his shoulder got stuck. The uh, OB, uh, I'm so thankful for her. She kind of reverse engineered him a bit, got it loose, and then got him out. So the injury could have been worse. It could have busted his collarbone, and it did not. Mm. Uh, yes, it's terrible for this mm. tiny infant. He was totally stunned. The, mm. the NICU people came in. He was a four on the APGAR score, and then he came up to an eight, praise God. But, um, so left side from shoulder to fingertips, they call it a global brachial plexus injury. Nothing worked. Yeah. And I, and we need to backtrack just a little because I think most people anticipate what getting married and having your children is going to be like, right? <laughs> yeah. you, have this yeah. picture, you know, you just burn the course, birth plan, people every, burn yeah, the birth plan. Everybody's joking <laughs> cleaning when the child's born and not cutting the cord and all that. And, you know, wow. Be the tough guy. Hey, I'm a cop. Seen it all. Done it all. You know, no yeah. problems. And right before Gideon was born, the, the doctor said, are you ready dad to cut the cord? And I said, yeah, sure. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. And, so then there was, um, he comes out, he comes out, and all of a sudden, there's a lot of medical terms and, and oh, talking going on, and they just clamp, clamp, cut the cord and whisked him away. And you can see his left arm just dangling. Oh my goodness, crying, nothing. So oh. that whole experience, um, was raw. Mm. It was really hard. Yeah. Mm. So um, my deepest desire is that the Lord would, in addition to the blessing that our son is, who is a walking miracle of joy and celebration, that child, you guys, wow. he's the best, yeah. um, but that the Lord would rewrite our birth story. Mm. Teach me how to love the one that I have, and mm. that he would rewrite um, and maybe give me something not so traumatic. Yeah. Mm. Wow! They whisk him away and call for the NICU, and now I don't know what to do because I want to be with Season because she's gone through this traumatic experience. But our son is over there, and thank goodness her her mom and sister were there. So, um, and I I said to Season, "It's like what what do you want me to do?" And she said, "Go check on go see the baby Gideon." Mm -hmm. So, um. And and we're not really getting any answers. Yeah, and I don't remember. It was about 45 minutes before um, I was taken care of, and then Gideon was recovering as much as he can at that point, having a better APGAR score, and then they put him on my chest. And it's somewhere between six and eight hours that I don't remember a single thing. Mm. It's gone because I just, I think I passed out. Like, I don't even know. Um, and so, and, and, and we had this birth plan and all these things <laughs> yeah. that we wanted right. and many of them, even up to the birth got thrown out the window, which happens. And we yeah. were ready to be reasonable. And I would just encourage like everyone to be flexible and, um, to Don't really be oppositional with your medical team. Yeah. And, and to really think about all the possibilities, because they said to us, well, this only happens in 1% of births, but when it's your baby, right? That number, yeah. That that doesn't matter what number it is. Right. You have to deal with it. Yeah. Um, And I don't want to scare people or anything like that, but I want you to know the reality of it. Um, Mm -hmm. 
and it's out there. And they've told us any more children have to be C-section. Yeah. There's a tenfold chance of it happening again. Tenfold. Wow. Is what his specialist has told us. Um, our OB agrees and suggested either an amnio at 37, amniocentesis at 37 weeks and uh, uh, early labor, you know, because uh, a child would be term, but right. not full term. So right. early labor or C-section. But, and yeah. so I'd like to let a baby cook as long as I could. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Wow. So fast forward seven days, we have Gideon, who's our, what's our, is our son's name. We have him um, anointed. Um, and he still and hasn't moved his arm. Nothing's Seven moved. Seven days. We asked Pastor David Franklin to anoint him, and uh, Silvette and and Jerry were there, and Carmen mm-hmm. and Juan, my dad and my stepmom were there, and mm. they anointed him, and it was powerful. Mm. And um, that night, his thumb twitched. Wow! Just seemed his, his fingers just a tiny bit. Jesus given us our promise. So our since then, he's been through yep. two surgeries. Uh, a nerve graft at seven months old, mm. six and a half hour surgery. And then he uh, just had a surgery recently where they replaced, they, they moved the tendon from back to front and repaired the shoulder joint. This joint was starting to come out of the socket. Yeah. And we're seeing a, a lot of um, positive results. We're praising Jesus. And like I said, this child, I and mean, he barely knows the difference. He is just a ray of sunshine. We don't understand how we got this. Yeah. <laughs> we don't deserve this being so awesome. <laughs> so it's been hard and it has brought us together because we're both suffering. Now, of course, mm-hmm. we're both dealing with that differently. I'm more expressive, obviously. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> um, but we're I'm I'm learning how to not demand that Chris is as expressive as I am and to yeah. understand it that it doesn't mean that he's not suffering. Mm. That he's not experiencing heartache or concern or all the gamut of emotions. Um, but at the same time, I feel, I feel like he's learning how to use his words a a little bit more. Mm. I love that you said that because with the challenges that we've had Mm -hmm. with our nowhere near as traumatic as what you went through, but you know, our kids grow and we had a couple issues with our son. And I feel like I was the one or the enemy wanted me to feel like, you're the one who feels everything because Ali is more even keel and more quiet. He doesn't say a whole lot. And so I'm like, he can't feel how I'm feeling because he's not expressing anything. So obviously I care more is what the enemy wanted me to think. It makes you feel alone. It makes you feel alone and it makes you feel resentful. Right. And it's like, you don't care as much as I do. Why don't you care as much as I do? And that is so not the case. And the Lord had to teach me that and remind me of that and be like, look, he is dealing with it the way he's dealing with it. Doesn't mean that he's not feeling anything, doesn't care as much as you do. He's expressing it differently. And I love that you said that. It's so true. Emotionally abandoned hooks into any old wounds that magnifies those lies. Yes. You know, and so it's like that's got some old baggage on top of it. And then there's extra emotion coming out of my pores. Mm. (laughs) For me, that's where the drug addiction and the recovery. So, I mean, obviously the Lord has done a ton of cleanup work and has healed me. But it's Mm. like, even if it's the same topic based, maybe fear. Um, he's yeah. going to drill down another layer 
Mm-hmm. And so it's like, wow, Susan, you're still dealing with fear. No, I'm dealing with a whole new layer. Praise Jesus. There's forward progress. Yeah. Wow, man, that's amazing. That is an amazing story. So deep. And just, just really just to kind of piggyback on what you're saying with the whole one person being expressive and one person, mm-hmm. not so much, it kind of teaches us how to communicate. Yeah. And it teaches us about our communication style. And our right. spouse's communication right. and style. How, and how to adjust to that. Man, I, I'm, um, you said you've been married five years, right? Yeah. So in five years, and you've known each other a few years before that, you all have gone through a lifetime of experiences. Really have. Right? Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, 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 have, and, and not, to, not to stay there, right? Not to stay on that point. You've gone through a lifetime time of experiences and you've come to the other side of that almost. There, yeah, there is a, a, a sense of victory in a, in a lot of those areas. And even if it's not done yet, we feel more equipped. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I can. That's not our own doing. Yeah. Uh, we want to participate with the Lord, yes, but we. I feel stronger. Yeah. I feel more capable and that's a big deal coming from methamphetamines and you know, remembering to eat and remembering to brush your teeth and mm-hmm. how to talk to people again, like a normal yeah. person, all the way to not only am I able to handle the surgeries and fertility treatments, and um, but I'm able to do it better than I did the first time around. Yeah. I think this is a good time for a break. Yeah, yeah. This is a great place to break. So much great information from Chris and Season. It's incredible. And so, like we said, we talked for over an hour and we didn't even realize that we were talking that long. So let's break here and tune in for part two of this episode next time. Yes, we want you to hear the conclusion of this great conversation. All right. This has been another episode of Trade Secrets. Make sure you visit www.denali.org for more engaging content and for other ways to connect with Oliver and Denise. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share this episode. Until next time, God bless.